Okay, let's go to Exodus chapter 32 and verse 29. It's just kind of a jumping off spot here. And we'll pick up where we were this morning. And we trust that um, next week you'll be here because uh, we won't be doing this series next week, okay? Uh, uh, we'll be looking at the, the resurrection, of course, next week. You, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us what the gospel is. It, it identifies, you don't have to try to figure a definition out. If you're trying to figure one out, then you're going to mess it up. Just let the Bible tell you what the definition is. And it tells us, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Savior. Now, a lot of times we don't see the, how profound that is. But we want to look at that next Sunday morning. So don't miss out on that next Sunday. You get folks without Christ here. And then have people that know Christ that aren't going to church here. Let's have a good turnout next Sunday. Okay, now this morning... We saw that, uh, well, we need to bring people to Jesus Christ. That's, that's the one thing we saw. We needed to, however, bring God's people back to a consecrated living to Christ that continues in that consecrated life. And that's needed for preachers. That's needed for uh, Christians, evangelists, pastors, uh, what have you. It's needed for all, all of us have that call upon us to lead a consecrated to Christ uh, life and to be what we ought to be in this world when it's growing more dark. Our light needs to shine brighter and our light is Jesus Christ for He is the light of the world so we need to let Him uh, be the light that shines through us. And so uh, we'll see here in our text in verse 29 what Moses said about that. He says, For Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today. You know, I like it. Today, right now. Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. Now, you've got to consecrate yourself to God and then take his message to that brother, to that son, to that friend. You take it to them and, and let God do it in you as well as through you. And that's the idea that is here. But let's get into the Word tonight. Now, Lord, I pray that as we have been going over this uh, series, Lord, it's been something that uh, uh, we see has gone on down through the ages, Lord. It's destroyed churches. It destroyed uh, the people of God. It caused captivity. It caused so many other things that are uh, bad in this world it, that happened in because it got the world in the church and Lord I unfortunately that's what happens is that uh, people try to get the world in the church and that uh, ends up destroying the work of God among God's people so Lord I pray I pray that this would just be clear to each of us speak to hearts through this message tonight Lord I can't do it you can though and so I ask that you would in Jesus Christ's name amen now, of course, the people were to consecrate themselves unto the Lord. That, that was the need they had. Uh, you know, there are people, we were looking at uh, our progeny just a little bit this morning, the idea of reaching your children, reaching your grandchildren. Man, if we don't get our children set on the fundamentals of the faith, we don't get them set on, and by the way, a fundamental of the faith, 
Don't call yourself a fundamentalist if you don't believe in separation from the world. You are not a fundamentalist. You are not a true Bible believer if you do not hold to the doctrine of separation. Now, I say that on the authority of God's Word because the Lord says in, in Corinthians, to be ye separate because I, the Lord your God, is com He's commanding you and I am the Lord your God. Be ye separate. He says, be ye holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So, He gives us those uh, commands out there. We need to heed those uh, commands. And so, when you talk about consecration, the world needs saved. The world needs saved, but Christians need to be consecrated unto the Lord. Uh, so, one of the great needs when we look at the today, you look at the contemporary that has done the same thing it did to Israel, back in Egypt, uh, and out of Egypt, should I say, here in the wilderness. We see it later happening again in the day of Ezekiel, the day of Jeremiah, in the day of Malachi, and in the day of the seven churches. They got the world in because everybody else is doing that, but they're still keeping God's name involved in it. There, there, we told you several times in this series, they were doing it in the name of Jehovah. They were doing it in God's name. They were doing it for His sake, is what they said. But really, that's what you do to pacify your mind when you're doing something wrong. And that's, they knew it was wrong, but they had to do something. And of course, Aaron was behind uh, putting that altar up there and say, this is unto Jehovah, or to Yahweh is the, way the word that was used to deliver us from out of Egypt by this golden calf. They saw the golden calf worship in, in Egypt. They saw what they did. And so what you see them doing, when they're dancing, they're drinking, they're taking clothes off and things like that, that's what they did in Egypt. But they think adding God's name to it makes it right. Just like you have rock and roll in the churches, the strobe lights and everything else. Well, we're doing it in Jesus' name. Would it make it all right if uh, I had the drug fentanyl? I don't, by the way. But if I had the drug fentanyl and went up to your children and I, I said, hey, take this in Jesus' name. It'll be all right then. You'd kill me if you were smart. Why? Because that is blaspheming. And that is what's going on in the local churches today. Now, folks, uh, there, are a lot of, there may be people watching this on live stream or listening by radio that said, that guy's out of his mind. I hope so. I want the mind of God, not my own. But uh, we've got to do God's will, God's way, and it's always right to do it. There's the idea of consecration. And, you know, a lot of times we've lost that idea of what consecration is. We covered this a couple of weeks ago, but let me just quickly hit it again. Consecration is the act of separating from common to sacred. Understanding sacred has in it the idea of the holy. So it's separating from the common, from the world, to the sacred. It's devoting and dedicating a person or a thing to both the service as well as the worship of God. Moses, he did that. 
What Moses did in coming off that mountain and telling them to put on the sword. And those souls get saved. I mean, those souls get killed. I mean, 3,000 people lose their lives for that sin. But Moses is out to bring revival to Israel. It's not the idea of, man, we've got to punish these people, let them have it big time. No, he's trying to bring them back around. He's trying to bring revival to Israel and protection to his countrymen. Paul is a man who loved his country. He loved his countrymen. And he loved his God. And he stood between his countrymen and God to intercede for them to bring the people to a re-consecration to God. You see, if you get away from it, that's what we used to call rededication. You know, people used to come forward in the church services and rededicate their lives to the Lord. That's what they're doing. They're re-giving themselves to consecration. And, you know, they would go up and talk to a personal worker. They'd fill out the slip on them and they'd turn it into preacher. And we'd say, you know, Mr. Smith has come up to rededicate his life to the Lord. And we'd praise the Lord and, and um, uh, then we'd go on to the next one and so forth. For some reason, that's absent anymore. But I think even before my generation, the thing that was lost in the church that was probably one of the most effective things is what they call the mourner's bench. Now, it wasn't a specially made bench. This, this front pew could be the mourner's bench. People came down there. They were shedding tears for those lost wayward children, even though they'd raised them. They'd gone another way. It might have been a wayward husband, a wayward wife. It might have been whatever. A friend that got away from God, but they, they were fervent. And they would go to the mourner's bench and not fake tears, they were shedding tears. It got to the point, I know there's a place up in South Carolina where that was going on so much that people started coming together on Monday and Tuesday night. Before too long, there was a revival that just shook that area like uh, nobody had seen before. And that's what, what is needed today for the churches because what we're seeing is throughout churches. That's why I told you this morning, I believe that if it continues this way, if God doesn't pour out His wrath completely on us and gives us a space, that which I'm praying that He does for repentance, but if we don't get that space, oh, the destruction that's coming. But if we have a more period of time and the churches don't repent, you're going to see the woke. You're going to see the LGBTQ all of a sudden having those that are preachers, not in their new formed churches. No, they're going to be preaching in already established churches. It may be Baptist, it may be Methodist, it may be Presbyterian. They'll be getting into those. They said this music wouldn't get into any of them, but it did, didn't it? They said the standards wouldn't go, but they did. They didn't say, well, they'll start cutting out Sunday school and they'll cut out Sunday night and they'll cut out a Wednesday night, but it's happened. Oh, man, we'll always have those hymnals. Oh, no, they got rid of those too. So don't think that that's coming. 
if the people of God don't examine themselves by the Holy Spirit examining them and letting Him examining and see where they are in the faith. And to be able to show them, look, we've got to stand up. We've got to stand up for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. We've got to stand up for our countrymen. We've got to stand up for our churches, for the Lord Jesus Christ, to bring them back to Christ. And we've got to set the example whether no man follows us or not. We've got to set the example. We've got to do God's will, God's way. Now, so don't expect anything to happen in America, or even in your family, your children. Perhaps there are people you said, pray for my child, pray for this, my husband, pray for my wife, pray for this person. But look, if you don't consecrate yourself to God, just understand that as much as a good godly man or woman that is praying for you and praying for that child, praying for that husband, praying for that wife, that no matter how hard they're praying, the devil is going to show your life before them as a hindrance. To that prayer. Have things right with God. Have all things right with God. Do God's will, God's way at all times. Now, Moses did not seek glory for himself. Now, just what I'm talking about now is not to seek glory for us folks. When our ministry changes from glory to God to glory to self, we are utter failures. Moses made serious prayer to God, and he knew only God, not himself, not Moses. He knew only God could do it, but he also knew God wanted to use him to do it. Now, that's why I said that in the announcements earlier about Brother Randy. It fit right in with the message. Only God's going to do it. But God's wanting to use you to do it. But don't ever, don't ever get the prideful attitude of, look what I did. I praise God for the new faith promise. But remember, we prayed that you would do, and each of you prayed, God impress on my heart what to do for faith promise. God did that. Yours was to respond and say, yes, I'll do that, Lord. And in faith, you, you turned into commitment. Now, God will bless that commitment. But let's not say, look what we did. Let's say, look what God did for faith promise. That's where the victory is. So, we can't do anything without the Lord. Moses knows the depths he knows the depths of the depravity that Israel has hit right there in the wilderness. We need to see what's going on in churches as well throughout this country. That's the depths of depravity. And God wants His people to repent, not to compromise with the world, he wants us to repent, be consecrated to Him, and understand, if we won't, if we won't, that removes answered prayer. 
even if you're praying very sincerely, because if you're praying very sincerely, without repentance, without getting your own life right, with a commitment to stay right, don't expect God to answer that sincere prayer. And by the way, God knows if you're sincere. You know, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So you can fool me every day of the week, but you're not going to fool God. In short, don't, you don't put one over on God. You're not going to do it. You can't put one over on God. You, you might do that to me, but you can't do that to God. He knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. All those who left Egypt had the promise. Every one of them had the promise of the promised land. But their need was to stay true to God. God did not break His word. They broke their commitment. They broke their commitment, and God is not going to bless sin and unholiness. He just won't do it. They must stay true. They must stay true. They must have that commitment to continue in consecration to God throughout their uh, life in their prayer for deliverance from Egypt. They prayed, they prayed sincerely. They weren't involved in the sins of Egypt. They prayed, and their prayers were answered. That happened. They were delivered, God using Moses, and yet even at that there were some of them that fought it. Look what he's doing, man. He's, getting us, he's making our burden worse. Uh-oh, there comes the armies of all the, Israel, uh, of all the Egyptians. We're going to die right here. And all we've got is this Red Sea in front of us. How can we escape? Moses told him, settle down. God's going to take care of it. And he did. He parted the sea. They walk over. Yeah, oh, look at them. They're following us. Oh, they're going to get us. No, the sea comes in and takes care of all of them. Drowns them all. Just think. Many people died in the wilderness. Thousands died in the wilderness. But they would have made it to the promised land had they confessed their sin and turned from it. If they had renewed their walk with God, it would have been taken care of. The hidden sins of days past are terrible. But worse is the unwillingness to be consecrated to God for fear of what man may say or of what man may think. Yes, we need to have continual consecration. But after continual consecration, we also need to see the consequences if we don't as Christians. 
If we don't as Christians, there is a consequence. Now turn over to Exodus chapter 33 and verses 1 through 6, and then we'll follow up those with verses 14 through 17. But right now I just want us to look at verses 1 through 6. Verse 1, he said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart, go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. Well, they've just finished this thing here in the wilderness where some people died. They see the need. They've seen what happened. They said, well, we better stop the worship of that false god. We better get away from that for the time being. And so, we see in verse 2, And I will send an angel before thee. And I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will no, not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people." lest I consume thee in the way. Now because Moses was a man of God and stood between the people and God and interceded, God said, okay, I'll send my angel, you'll get there safely, but I'm not going with you. I remember God told Moses on the mount the first time, I'm going to kill these people. I'm going to just make a great nation out of you. I'll, I'll make one from you. I'm going to destroy the people. But Moses interceded there, goes down to the people, gets right in their face, so to speak, to stop the conflict, what was going on, He interceded to God. No, let me go down there. He goes down there. And immediately, after throwing down those tablets, who's on the Lord's side? If you're on the Lord's side, put on your sword. We're going to clean this place up. Now, we don't do that today as far as a literal sword. But sometimes you have to clean a church up. You've got to clean a ministry up by saying, we've got to clean out these things. Well, if you get rid of that contemporary, do you know how many are going to leave? If you, get rid of those, if, if you don't let us get rid of those standards, do you know how many are going to leave? Yes, I know. The people of the devil are going to leave. People that don't know they're being soldiers of Satan are going to leave. They're marching to different orders. It's time to march according to God's orders, and they're clear, very clear, in the Word of God. So Moses interceded, he goes down, and he faced the conflict. 
God knows their heart. He knows the degree of commitment they have to Him. He knows that they will do much evil because He knows their heart. You realize God knows your heart? God knows your heart. Don't try to fool God. Moses may end up dying with them if he doesn't stand. Don't forget, later, after this, what they saw, what they saw happen in the wilderness, later, they will rebel against Moses, and the earth will open and swallow up a bunch of them. Now, if I'm a part of that group, I think I learned my lesson at that point. But you know what happens the next day? After the earth opened, swallowed up, the people want to go after Moses. This happened because of you. It would have never happened if you hadn't stood up and spoke and all this other stuff. Okay, this happened because of you. Man, we're going to get you. A lot of them died too. It's just isn't as quick as the earth opening up. There's this plague. And they're hit. And so, those that went the wrong direction, there was a price. And so verse 4 says, And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned. And no man did put on his ornaments. You see, here they are now. They're at a place where things have gone wrong, as far as what they would call wrong. Actually, what's happening, God said, I'm not going to go with you. And they realize it's because of their sin. You know, that's the first step, I think, in repentance is realizing that it's not what the world has done to you. It's not what some Christian said. It's not what some preacher said. It's your own commitment to Christ that's done it to you, that you failed in it, that you went from it. That's what brings it on. Listen, preacher did the wrong thing to you. Or what he said, what he did was wrong. God's going to deal with him. But that has never, ever in all of history of, of mankind, in God's relationship with mankind, excused doing a sin because they did it. I mean, you know, you learn early. Now, in our house, you learned early, and my parents and so forth, that you know, Dick was always doing it, not me. Well, Dick did it. And, of course, we got that old adage. Well, if Dick jumped off a cliff, would you jump off the cliff too? And I so wanted to say if I had a parachute, but then I didn't want to die at that moment, you know. But, but still... Even as a kid, there's that little blame that comes into you to blame someone else for your failures. And you know that is the wrong thing to do. And so, it says in verse 6, as we've looked at this now, well, let's, uh, he's, uh, he said, well, let me go back up here. I will come into thee, into the midst of thee, in a moment, and consume thee, 
Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And that was the rest of verse 5 there. That I may know what to do unto thee. Whenever God moves, he will not remove his hand until the righteous judgment he does on a people is complete. If he starts to judge, he's going to finish the job. And the children of Israel stripped themselves, verse 6, of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. Look, the things of this type, it was all of the world. They had gone away from the things of the Lord. They were trying to say, we want to do both. We want to worship the Lord, and now we still want to keep this stuff of the world with us too. Not in God's sight. Not in God's sight. He's not going to bless that. The world in the church is never right. The world in the church is always evil and wrong. That is solid Bible doctrine. Now, you either get mad. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. I'm just telling you what God has said to us. Okay? And so, it's God's way, or somebody says, or the highway, and you don't want to go on that highway. That's for sure. And so, when, you know, Egypt is a type of the world. And Egypt was in the children of Israel in the wilderness. The golden calf was an object of worship in Egypt. And they took it into their worship. But if you make it into Jehovah, it's all right. No, it is not doing it. In Jesus' name, it's not all right. As Galatians chapter 3, chapter 1, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? I fear... I fear the answer in heaven of many compromising preachers that they're going to have to give for what happened with their churches that they did not stand. Someone says, that church is going to run you off, boy. As long as it's not God running me off, it doesn't matter. God's going to take care of me. I just got to stay true to Him regardless of what that is. You see, my hope must remain always in the Lord. Your hope is not in me. Your hope is in Christ Jesus. Yes, many compromising preachers will stand at that judgment seat of Christ and we'll hear, we'll hear the shame, perhaps of many men, that before many had glory here on earth. But it was only the glory of men, not the glory of God. In verses 14 through 17, it shows us the importance of having consecrated lives to God. Always desire 
and pray for yourself, and pray for this pastor, by the way, to have the good hand of the Lord upon you. I want the good hand of the Lord upon me. But only as we remain faithful to the Word and sound doctrine. Verse 14 says, And he said, My presence will go up with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he, that is Moses, said unto him, If thy presence goes not with me, carry us not up hence. See, Moses doesn't want to go and serve God if he doesn't have the presence and the good hand of God upon him. Now, praise God. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at the situation. Look unto the author and the finisher of our faith. That's where our strength is. Moses left an example to never quit, never leave your call, unless God calls you to leave by His Word and by His Holy Spirit. Verse 16, For we're in, shall it be known, that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, Now see again, Moses has to come between God and the people. The Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Is that something? He created the heavens and the earth. Isaiah tells us he sets upon the circle of the earth. But he also tells us in that same chapter 40 of Isaiah, the one who set the course of all the stars and planets of this universe. He knows the name of each star, each planet, each moon. He knows the name of all of them. He knows your name too. He knows our name. And Moses found grace in the sight of the Lord. He found that grace that was so needed. God is always right. His doctrines, His standards, His holiness is not for sale. Therefore, because he's true to his word, he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. As Moses, if you stay in the faith, you keep on keeping on, although there will be trials along the way, although there will be troubles along the way, keep it in mind, the trial of your faith 
is more precious than gold. Keep that in mind in your walk. Because we know what God can actually do in a heart that he can also do in a country. There's too many promises, too many things seen in the Word of God where God actually did it. What he can do, not just a few people are involved. This is a whole nation of Israel. Moses has stood up. He's prayed. He's prayed for these people. Personally, he's done this in love for God and to remain faithful to his call. Don't let the attacks of the words of people who claim to know Christ as Savior make you quit or make you leave the consecration that you should have to God. Because actually those people aren't making you. You've surrendered. You've surrendered to the onslaught. The trial of your faith to stay true is to say, I do love God. And that's not just a statement. Because I would not leave God because He will never leave me nor forsake me. Now, He won't leave you or forsake you, but He will chasten. He will scourge. And some He'll take on home. Be consecrated to God daily, seeking to serve Him in His power and might, in you and through you, doing God's will, God's way. There's a hymn song, uh, a hymn that we're going to sing for an invitation here in just a few moments, in page 408 of our hymnal. But it gives the key. If you look back through the Bible, you'll see this, this was key to Moses. You'll see it was key to Paul. You'll see it was key to all those great men of God that God used. Close to thee. Close to thee. And folks, that comes to a determination. When you got married, you that are married, you determine. Not, well, I think I'll try this out for a couple of weeks, see how it works. That's Hollywood, but that shouldn't be in the church. You know, you, no, you're going in there. That's a life commitment. Not, well, I say committed to it, and I, I, I'll be close to the Lord if. If, if you got an if, you're not going to be close to the Lord. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But don't forget, you begin to forsake 
the truth and the way, you begin to forsake the holiness and the righteousness that we were told to put on in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Uh, put off the old man and put on the new man which was created in righteousness and true holiness. Put that off. Then perhaps the roaring lion is released from the den to devour your life and your family and your home. Because that, that old devil, that old lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And my friend, each of us, each of us are candidates to be a full meal for the devil if we go away from being consecrated to God and living for Jesus. Now a lot has been said over the last weeks and months about America and the problems that we have and what we're about to lose, what could happen to America. A lot has been said about that. And yes, we should be concerned. But be far more concerned about your walk with God. You'd like to see America turn? Well, let's decide that we're going to quit trying to defend the flesh and stand up for Jesus. Let's bow our heads, please.